Welcome to Network AF. This week, I have on Alan Cohen, a networker who has led marketing at uh, Cisco at uh, multiple innovative networking startups. In fact, he likes to sort of kneecap and, and poke fun at the mainstream and, and drive innovation. We're going to talk about uh, some of his experiences, both in the networking field, uh, marketing, business, and life. Uh, please join us, and uh, I think you'll love the episode. Hello, and welcome to Network AF. I'm here with my uh, good friend, Alan Cohen, a, a rebel and recovering networker. Um, Alan, if you could give us a little intro, what are you up to uh, nowadays? Uh, morning, Avi. Uh, great morning. to see you and uh, be on AF. Because uh, it's definitely a kind of <laughs> an AF, AF type of AF. Um, you know, usual stuff. I mean, we continue to make investments in kind of companies that are completely changing the future. Um, uh, well, I'll be talking about a little bit soon, but I've just made an investment in a networking company of a different type. Okay. Uh, but I can't, I can't go into it a lot. It's, uh, and it's not a network of packets. So, but uh, okay. we'll talk more about that sometime soon. Come IP back after over a ride of stuff. Avian carrier. It's a bird. Uh, birding? It's yeah, it's bird. It's, uh, yeah, we are, uh, the parrot's not dead. It's just sleeping. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And so and uh, gearing up for the holidays, whatever that means, or gearing down. Okay, some travel, whatever. Yeah, usual. Okay, so um, you've had a diverse career. We won't say long career. We'll say diverse career, um, in and out and around of networking, from you know, um, from the Death Star of networking to uh, people, um, uh, you know, shaking things up and kicking things around. Um, how did you get into tech in the first place? Uh, I was an accidental tourist in okay. tech. Um, uh, I uh, actually started my first career actually in government and then got an MBA. And when I got out of school, I got a job, as many MBAs do, in consulting. Um, and actually, my training is actually as an economist. Um, obviously not engineering, which you figured out in our first meeting. Um, <laughs> so uh, the partner that hired me to the consulting firm uh, about three weeks before I got there accepted an assignment to work on the mining industry between Singapore and, um, and Australia. And he said, hey, you ready to come move there? And I said, you know, I just got married and like I'm trying to hold it together uh, right. in the first year. So he actually passed me on to the partner that ran the telecom practice. And I got thrown in the early 90s, got thrown headlong into the growth of cellular and then broadband networks back when we called it interactive TV. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. So I came up through that and then went out to US West and worked on its cellular and paging business and also the trials that we did in Omaha and with Time Warner and learned that, uh, uh, how, how do I say this politely? Uh, I won't be polite. It's $4 billion to find out you don't want your phone company picking your movies. <laughs> but we, we had some of the first um, ATM networks and you know, saw that and then kind of moved into the, um, the internet business, actually at IBM, a um, mm -hmm. good friend of um, Kentix, and built um, e-commerce. And I think I mentioned to you that I joined um, IBM on June 5th, 1995, which was the day that IBM acquired Lotus 
in a last gasp of client server application and okay, wow. uh, paying some rents on some mortgages in Boston. And, um, you know, so the, you know, ran the first Windows 95 platform at IBM. I didn't use OS2 with a Netscape browser and steadily uh, um, came out to the Valley work for Cisco. Uh, yes, Avi, I am your father. <laughs> uh, and proceeded through, you know, great, early career at Cisco in the 90s and then uh, four networking and security startups later and eventually do what every washed up technologist does is make your way into venture. I mean, you take all your experience and bring it to venture. Uh, to uh, to mentor the next generations, although some of them aren't that next generation. Some of them are just next generation of ideas. Uh, so <laughs> To try to hold their beer, give them money and not get in the way. Yeah, you're yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, or Diet Pepsi as the case may be. So That's right. That Diet Pepsi. Uh, or that's right. cases of Diet Pepsi as the case may be. So. And I, I, I think you know, um, I've had uh, the great pleasure of causing several wars in the networking industry. One in the wireless war uh -huh. uh, between... Uh, uh, at an air company called Airspace, which was a startup that uh, kind of roiled the incumbents and got taken out by Cisco. And then uh, later um, spent some time at Cisco again and then uh, joined uh, an enterprising network virtualization startup called Nicira, which was acquired by VMware and started the shooting war between Cisco and VMware. I was which, just kind of fanning the flames. Yeah, which we'll talk about Nicira, but you know, it's 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 interesting because um, the way that the way that SDN was originally pitched, um, you know, truth in advertising would have been uh, people hate opening tickets to make VLANs. Can we just automate the network people? And you know, that's where we are. Versus the flow controllers and magic lands and you know all that stuff. So yeah, well, I mean, you know, Nicira clearly. And by the way, it's a great antecedent for any discussion about Kentic, right? Because it was the first realization that increasingly organizations were not going to be completely own every network they were right. running over. And that they would need software control layers to be able to provide the capabilities you would expect in an enterprise network, like security, performance, uh, control, visibility, right. that you weren't going to have when you were using somebody else's network. As you've said, the networks you own are the ones you don't. So That's right. Uh, yeah. And so, uh, you know, I, what I would say is like a lot of these capabilities have effectively created passports and um health kits right for traveling into the great yeah. unknown of the internet and the um you know the internet as an infrastructure infrastructure as a service players and all those folks so uh so i you know i've kind of got washed shore in my little rowboat across all of these battles and um you know quite cognizant of you know look i mean when i was at sco in the 90s it was really two things really drove the business the first one was email which mm -hmm. drove the enterprise network and then second one was the browser right yeah no you definitely need the applications uh to drive mm -hmm. i mean it was i mean even originally um in fact net access originally meant email and usenet for those that remember usenet not live internet access because you know yeah it was neat for sysadmins and whatever but um you know um it was it was not what originally you know was all connected so were you at Cisco uh, before joining networking, before startup, before wireless? I was, or? I was. I worked at Cisco. I came there in the 90s during the great push to 
replace service providers with over-the-top kinds of companies and actually worked on management as well as call managers. Remember, uh, the for, we worked with Group Videotron in Canada to build an over-the-top phone network. Uh, it, was, it was a little clunky um, at the time, the software. Um, right, well, this and, is before the Cisco VoIP phone took over the world. No, yeah, I was there for, for the early VoIP and the acquisition of Celsius, which was this little white phone that... Um, and the demos would be you would take the phone and plug it into the different Ethernet ports, like, oh, look, it still works, right? You can still make calls. And because it got, and what was interesting is that architecture was very client server. It wasn't very internet ish, which is why it had to be, you know, rebuilt. Um, but, you know, clearly organizations were, as the applications became increasingly networked, we're deploying as fast as we can. And, you know, we were hiring as fast as we can. And, we had to create things. I was there with Tony Lee, you know, came up with BGP. It's like mm-hmm. somehow you had to make the routing thing work. And, um, you know, the death of, you know, we acquired Stratacom and we had kind of the slow burnout of um, ATM um, as basically IP and Ethernet just kind of rolled everything. It was the Bitcoin of networking protocols. It kind of rolled over everything for like actually still is, right? You know, it's still kind of rolled over. Uh everything. yeah. Yeah. I mean it's 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 definitely uh funny. I remember the oh my God, we've got an ATM pipe full of uh frames, but no packets coming out the other end because congestion control is not synchronized and BGP fighting the IGRP is the Cisco. Oh, yes, I mean yeah, the IGRP for whatever. Um, I just saw a funny, funny cartoon. Well, and then we realized, like, oh my god, we've now shipped X millions of devices, and we don't have to have any, like anything that actually manages them all either. Right. <laughs> right? Well, that's so, a separate thing, is vendors and software. Uh, but uh, we were selling I, too busily to worry too too quick to worry about management. Well, people that was somebody else's was, problem, right? Yeah. People used to think I was religious, and um, you know, they're like, what? what IGP should I use? And I'd be like, well, look at the cards you need to use. Look at the release notes, find the IGP with the fewest bugs. Cause you know, in the nineties, it was like stick a fitty card in and sparks sp- spit out the hissy port and every other yeah, bike yeah. gets dropped. And you're like, I-, I don't even know how that could happen, but you know, they weren't real operating systems. What, what was it like? You know, I mean, that was back when, you know, the giants, you said, Tony Lee, you know, the giants, Walked to the I mean, Earth. Joel like the Joel Vine. I mean, like these the people who worked in the lab, like with Len and Sandy at Stanford, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was growing so quickly. You know, there was kind of two things going on. At a pure geeky level, there was still an enormous amount of um, uh, building and creation of protocols and capabilities because the little router um, printer network they set up at Stanford was not exactly the ideal architecture for mm-hmm. you know the, the something that would manage something to scale of Amazon web services right if you right. think about the you know I, I always think about things in terms of lands right like you had your land and like there's a little land in the Cohen household and you know it's and then there's the your your office and there's campus architecture. And then there was wide area and mm-hmm. data center architectures and then overlay where, you know, you, your experiences on the internet edge and they were all kind of separate. And so we were doing, I think, very rapid incremental innovations um, on one hand. And then like some of my colleagues, not I, were building these, B, you know, uh, uh, can I say it? BARs, uh, BFGs, yeah, BFRs. BFRs, right? Because... Yeah. 
you know, as applications like voice, but more importantly, video started to get layered on in the late nineties, it was, uh, couldn't freaking routers needed to pass the packets. Yep. Need a lot of routers and line card updates were just not enough. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was this, this, this massive explosion and hiring everywhere. And, you know, we were doing, I don't know, an acquisition a month, a week, couldn't tell. Yeah, I hired someone who at, when I was at Akamai, who had worked at Cisco in Australia and he told the story about literally the fax machine was out of paper, um, you know, and they just, you know, just kept, you know, the fax people kept dialing the fax machine to make orders. They couldn't, you know, be bothered. Couldn't change the paper the fast phone. enough. Yeah, yes. They couldn't be bothered to answer the phones unless it was, you know, like a $3 million order. Yeah. So, I was there for the e-commerce era where we got rid of the fax machines and, you, you know, we just watched the money rolling in on the <laughs> server. Um, what was, what was interesting also was, um, you know, I can remember a management meeting, probably 98, 99, where Chambers got up on a meeting, a chair and said, you're not hiring fast enough. We need the scale. Um, yes. So, you know, I mean, obviously, probably Dell saw this, Intel saw this, Sun saw all of this. You saw this at Akamai. There was such an explosion um, of, of infrastructure, just the support effectively back office applications and a, and a little communications, right? Yeah. If you think of the profusion of applications that the network has to support today, mm-hmm. it's nothing. And we did not have remotely the amount of developers like um, HashiCorp went public yesterday. Right. You know, you look, you know, GitLab went public, you know, two months ago. And which, by the way, I think is fabulous for, for us, Kentic, right? Because mm-hmm. what are all those developers are going to do? They're going to they're going to build stuff that's got to move around on those networks. And right, no, it's all awesome. Gonna... People think, oh well, the network it's just APIs, right? There's no people. There's no. It's like, well, uh, automation doesn't mean simplicity. Ultimately, yeah. something needs to make it go. And... Well, it's got to work. I had a license plate holder that said the network works. No excuses. That was my right. first license plate holder. Yeah from Cisco because it didn't always work, right? And, you know, so I think uh, it was, it's like every form of communications. Uh, when I worked in telecommunications at US West, we got out of the cellular business because we had a very small footprint and uh, people don't remember this. There was other Booz Allen or McKinsey put out a report in the early 90s said they'd be lucky to be a million cell phones in America. Right, right. five like, computers, oops. one million cell phones, you know, yeah. Yeah, I mean, so it's, you know, um, the the avalanche of, well, I mean, I guess at some point, somebody's got to be the network provider to the metaverse, man. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's interesting. Next week, um, uh, interviewing uh, Dave Schaefer, Cogent, an iconoclast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Partnered with Cisco, um, you know, did very I remember well. him as a cut. I remember Cogent as a customer. Yes. From 20 years ago. Yeah. Yes. No, it's, it's uh, amazing what they've done. And speaking of, you know, I remember being, uh, I think the first time I met him was at uh, Gil- George Gilder had a telecosm conference, which was largely promoting things that I wasn't, like, they, there was this concept called store with and stuff like I wasn't. Uh, Avi, this is so bad. Before I joined Cisco, I was forced to speak at a conference called uh, Vortex that was put on by Bob Metcalf and the mm-hmm. gang from Network World. This is like this is like OG story time. <laughs> Most people have probably like clicked off and they're probably trading, you know, Shibu coin right now. But uh, I, IBM bought a slot 
do a speaking slot and nobody would go because we had obviously lost the networking. And I was the lowest level executive that couldn't say no. Mm-hmm. And I was supposed to speak after John Chambers and before George Gilder. And I said, that's like going on after the Stones right. and before the Beatles. You're a pretty good go storyteller, the... but even so, you know. Everyone, I said, they're going to go to the bathrooms. They're going to go get a hot dog. Like, I mean, so I called up Metcalf. I said, send us a quarter million dollars back. And he goes, well, what do you want to do? And I go, well, like, put me in with my peers. So actually, it was Charlie Giancarlo, who's now CEO of Pure, who's the head mm-hmm. of business development at Cisco, Irfam Ali, who ran three comms networking business, and um, Tom Rebel, who ran Siemens. And we did a panel on internet quality of service mm-hmm. and you know things like that and i ambushed them that's how chambers watched it and that would help me get acquired i uh, i remember at that conference gail and i was at the um it was on knob hill at the ritz uh no the fairmont and uh there was a, a vintage mercedes and the license plate said dainu and I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. It is enough. So I it guess is enough. Uh, there were some people there that were happy. I was telling people at Kentuck my Bob Metcalf story, and I, I have a great deal of respect for him. But Gilder sort of took my quote out of context uh, because I don't know if you remember Metcalf wrote an article saying the internet was going to explode and die and routing. I do remember that. Yes. Yeah. So we were, I said, you know, I said something that was much more in context, but Gilder took it as. Uh, you know, Friedman says he's an elder statesman doing more harm than good. I think I said that statement was not constructive, basically. And so then he called me a brash young ISP brat wet behind my packets. So he can be illiterate, alliterative and, you know, literate as well. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I mean, look, co-inventing Ethernet didn't completely suck. And, uh, so I think I need to take a look at it again. Someone on, on the Kentuck Random channel posted like the thesis response about how crappy Ethernet was. Uh, you know, which will live forever in infamy. I mean, I, I can do this ever. I I actually, my first day at IBM, first week at IBM, I had a fly to Boston to meet the Lotus guys. And I got online and I, the executive who ran IBM network hardware division was online in front of me, was being pushed out of IBM at the time and asked me who I was. And was Did they give time. you a bag of uppercase letters and, and backslashes uh, and underscores for, for using notes? No, but I had, but I kind of had, oh no, no, they were, they were too busy being happy about not having to fight with Microsoft any longer. <laughs> I guess, yeah, that was, that was true at a time. So, I got into a lot of trouble. I actually may have coined the phrase notice Lotus. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Um, I mean, the Lotus, Lotus people right. were terrific, right? I mean, it was, yeah. I mean, one, two, three was the program for very mm-hmm. such a long time. Yeah. yeah. I have uh, actually, this is, I believe, the better lit fake background on my actual background. I now have VisiCalc as well as, as one, two, three on my shelf. So, um, uh, having used, uh, having used pretty much everything on the spreadsheet side that there was. So, how did you go from, you know, mainstream networking, um, how did you uh, find, get into uh, NYSERA and what they were up to? Well, that was my second startup. So I was very clear. Um, I was the head of enterprise uh, marketing and solutions. So like all those people delivering those wonderful marketing messages across $24 billion of Cisco revenue were on my team. Mm -hmm. And I was absolutely paranoid about the cloud. Because what I think we've seen in the networking industry and the computing industry overall is whenever there is an easier to use implementation of applications or infrastructure, and if it works pretty well, 
right. people are massively You're lazy. To <laughs> They're going to move to it, right? I mean, yeah. ask, ask Mark Benioff what it was like to build a better CRM system than yeah. Siebold and Oracle, right? And so, oh, by the way, you don't have to run it. We'll run it for you. It, well, and, there was ASP, but this was multi-tenant, yeah. so this is better. Yeah. And so I won, you know, I wanted very much to push more into cloud and I was running into the usual resistance. Oh, that's for non-essential workloads and it's not enterprise secure. The things that you tell yourself right before the foundations of your house right away. This is before the uh, great automation, self-driving, uh, you know, closed loop automation. You know, we're, we're really talking about S3 bit buckets, right? Mm-hmm. But you could so see it and was not able to really make a lot of progress. And Nysera really was the first networking software abstraction layer that would allow, I mean, effectively it was network virtualization, which is what mm-hmm. we called it. And uh, which is always like, why didn't VMware have more play in the cloud? You always ask yourself, I mean, they're a great company, uh, but they're, you know, for the most part, they've been an enterprise company that I think has done a pretty good job in the last couple of years kind of making well and there you know you look at it and what's aws and ibm you know first hybrid partnerships were around vmware because that's what people have that's what people had so it was so when i met martin casado and steve mulaney it was so clear right i mean i went from having i don't know 350 people on my team to me and rod stolmeyer like pumping out marketing stuff (laughs) and i started like like there was there was like 48 people 45 people 38 people it was tiny company we were not that big when we got acquired, but it was so evident. And I think, you know, kind of, I think the rule of networking go-to-market strategies is to use your technology and your message to um, allow the market to select you. So you, you effectively segment your market by people who so care about what you're doing and your goal is try to get to them right. quickly in the most cost-effective way as possible. Because when you show up, one or two things have happened. They're, they've already built a mini version internally of what you're doing, especially if they're a larger company, or they say, thank you. Right. I love <laughs> I've been that. thinking about this, right? I love that. People, salespeople hate it when they're like, oh, they have their own solution. I'm like, no, 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 that's, that's good. They might not buy this month, but they're going to be a customer. Anyone who cares enough to have started trying to solve the problem, whatever the problem is, uh, it's a great sign for sure. So there are, there are, so I did a little bit of surveying of a lot of, I mean, I was in touch with at that time, a lot of very large enterprise organizations that were evaluating virtualization and cloud architectures. And mm-hmm. I'm like, well, what do you think about this? And it's like, well, when is it going to be ready? Right. Mm-hmm. Cause we're ready. And, uh, you know, interestingly enough, the kind of a lot of a lot of the core tenant that people thought virtualization was about was I can get more processing power deployed, right? Most enterprise networks are traditionally were traditionally at about fifteen to twenty percent capacity right. Don't on a waste good day. All this, you know, extra yeah. CPU on these machines and yeah, it's it a bad use of it capital. wasn't the stateless resolution. It wasn't it wasn't production networks saying, oh my God, we can be stateless and get more efficient that way. It was packing. It was, you know, yeah. Yeah, load it up, right? I mean, you know, hey, we're going carpool, right? Don't drive by yourself. Right. And but but it really that wasn't the real issue. It was really the ease of automation. They got people, and networking didn't have that network automation. Though we never used the term at Nicira, we 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 built a network hypervisor, mm-hmm. and it established tunnels instead of spinning right. up virtual servers. 
yeah. very, a very similar kind of construct. So it was very easy for like VMware to see it. Like, um, and um, a very famous VMware executive told us when we got acquired and he uh, came in, to, they came to talk to the team the acquisition was announced. And they looked at me in the eye and I remember he said, now, Alan, VMware is the VMware network. Yes. <laughs> that, that's a, that's a, that, that shows you did well with uh, category definition. Now, you don't ever build a company to be bought by a company. Um, you build yeah. a company to be a great, sustainable, independent company that is strategically interesting. Um, but and to be fair, case, I never, uh, we never said, and I never said we were the VMware network. We just said we were the inventors of network virtualization, right. <laughs> which was true. So, uh, I mean, there's a, I mean, there are people at IBM that would say they may have invented forms of virtualization too, but we may. Yeah, I, I have, it's been an gr- interesting journey for me as a technologist who sees things. And, you know, when I go to trade shows, I need to decloak the marketing website because i can't reason about something unless i know what it does like mm-hmm. value value I, like what value it provides and you know benefits and positioning like that's nice but you could make anything sound like anything if you're sufficiently talented and compare storage to security to whatever you know to to, to uber <laughs> you know if, if if it's generic enough but you know if you, Akamai, and I were, if you and I were fused together, we'd be like Mr. Jekyll and Dr. Hyde. We'd be Brundle. Yeah, we'd be, I mean, the Brundle fly <laughs> of, of, of yeah. supreme, supreme power in networking. Because I yeah. spent eight years desperately trying to, you know, um, uh, sell the cloud vision before its time. Um, and, you know, that was uh, a, a lesson in hindsight um, about um, uh, needing to focus more on product marketing. Uh, when I saw NYSERA and I'm like, oh, it's VLAX lands because people don't want to open tickets with network people and wait. I'm like, well, something also <laughs> happened. It shifted a lot of the pattern. And I think it's very relevant for Kensic. What was happening in the, you I mean, ultimately you, you have to kind of go into any industry, particularly networking industry with a sense of real politique, like who's controlling things. Right. And by building, I call it one of the catchphrases that we didn't market, but I, I trademark was the network above the network above the hardware, hmm. right? Because it was a virtual network, right? And basically, right. say you Cisco and other hardware vendors, you sounds you almost pack- biblical. The things yeah. that swarm upon the network, and the thing, and the things beneath, the things like that he- live in the deep. The, the protocols that live in the deep and the packets that swarm upon the face of the network. Oh my God. We were like that. We're like that old Hebrew national commercial. We answer to a higher power. We're just software, well, not hardware. Matt, Matt Ocko, who who's like, you know, uh, so we, we usually say, you know, one, one platform to rule them all and in the DNS bind them. I think he was like, yeah. so that no packet shall be left behind and, and no lessons therefore, you know, lost. So, and so, so I think, you know, the, but, but clearly the thing that was important there is we shifted the control of the control plane into the hands of the server administrator, mm-hmm. right. Who not was the running the network, right. not the network. And you know, and it, it turns out that was really interesting and obviously very attractive to VMware, right? Of course. Um, and what's interesting now is as we move, you know, well beyond virtualized infrastructure into multi-cloud, multi-everything, um, it's it's actually not as simple. It's actually kind of come back that networking people are, kind of darn important again well plus there was this thing called covid uh, yeah you know which uh was not there in the before times and people like 
you know, sneaker net, uh, you know, if, if you don't have connectivity, then you can't learn, you can't work, you can't participate in society. Um, you know, it's, it's become real. So you can't, and, and it has to work well for you to be effective. Hence, you know, you get market leaders like Zoom and mm-hmm. major players like Equinix and security players like Netscope all working with, you know, Kentic because the performance and visibility. I was just going to say, those sound familiar. <laughs> yeah, those, those, I, we know those guys. I mean, I, you know, I, by the way, I work with Eric at, um, at, Cisco. At, at Cisco and, you know, I worked with Equinix mm-hmm. in the 90s and all of, the, all of these players. And so as the world is more dynamic and more distributed, you need a couple of key capabilities that are going to transcend this very noisy. Do you know how I, I think about it? Is like in the old days, you would like buy a stack, the, old, the original days from IBM, and you got the whole thing. Right. Client server came, it blew that all up in the air. Hundreds of companies got spun up, and then it consolidated down to like 10 to 20 major companies. Now, in this, cl- you know, now the cloud era comes, it blows up again. You don't get hundreds of companies, you get thousands of infrastructure and application companies yeah, and you get changes in roles with developers and code repositories like GitHub and GitLab. You obviously you have, and so it's much more dynamic and distributed. So the roles of uh, companies like, you know, Kentic, which is why I was so excited when we met is like that world doesn't work without things. Well, like the magic that. is awesome when the magic is magicking. Yeah. When something needs debugging and you're flying a plane with no console or with a, you know, I mean, I guess it's actually Boeing does better at building consoles for their planes than most in the networking space do for their own, you know, uh, products. Uh, but, um, you know, it's improving. I would say for all the vendors, it's, it's, it's been steadily improving, but, um, you know, most networks, I mean, Cogent does run on a single you know, they're committed to a single vendor. Most, most, most. Uh, no, no, I'm not worried about one company and its vendor. I'm thinking about. No, all the hybrid. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the little screen on the bottom of your browser and it tells you all the places the packets are running around and Google ads <laughs> touching it, and like yeah. there's a lot of people in the mix. And, you know, it's a little like, you know, think about it, like if you wanted to be on Twitter all day, your head would explode because the random algorithm dra- drivel of, stuff assaulting you it's exhausting and to increasingly you know if you think about if i was an e-commerce provider you know 10 years ago or god forbid 20 years ago how many vendors i would be involved with i could count them on my hands and now it's probably 10x more yeah yeah. there's there's dozens of SaaS tracking vendors now i mean it's even something we do with kentic people like hey can you track all the SaaS that i that i that i get to uh, and yeah, you know, even we're 140 people and we probably have at least, at least uh, half the number of SaaS, probably more than half, more than 70 SaaS things that we use. Mm-hmm. So you got SaaS, you've got the internet to connect. We use cloud because we take telemetry from cloud and we use our own infrastructure and, you know, we have some tunnel stuff over and, I mean, just to run just about anything. I mean, I think the debate over, is it hybrid or multi is dead. I mean, you're always depending on something. I mean, you're going to use an API to Twilio to send SMS. Uh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, text. SMS is old. Um, so, uh, you know, how do you put that digital supply chain together and and run? Oh, by it? the way, that by the way, that 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 message is authenticated by another company called Telesign. 
It's run by Joe Burton, a friend of mine. Right, mm-hmm. like even using Twilio to make Twilio secure that somebody else kind of looking it over the shoulder. Yes. So it's this multiplication effect, and it like you don't put the genie under you. You really can't put the genie back in the bottle, um, so to speak, ever again. So it's on one hand, the amount of stuff you can use is fairly exciting, right? And there's kind of an answer to everything. On the other hand, if your business depends on it, look, what was there was an outage, it was yesterday, the day before in AWS for a period of time. I know uh, we were cited in some of the coverage on that, but the the entire business world kind of took a collective um, migraine headache for many hours. Right. Well, that was happening and it's popping up on CNBC and it's changing. Christmas is in danger. Supply chain is already at the brink, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was like, you know, it's like running out of the greatest toy that all the kids are waiting for. So, and the other thing, and obviously we know this is we learned this heavily during COVID. Everybody, the entire world's economy, communications, and social structures are all connected. Um, through uh, global communications networks and and applications in a way that you know, I mean, from from to your point to the supply chain to the other, like we really can't stop viruses from popping up because there's no way to stop global travel. I, I still, uh, I guess it's not network politically correct to say this, but I still can't believe how well it does work. Remembering how it how best effort worked in the '90s. Um, mm-hmm. And knowing what's actually underneath uh, the web of complexity um, that makes those DARPA you know, those DARPA guys were pretty smart. The <laughs> thing that's amazing about the internet is not that it does break sometimes, but that it works. You know, in the first place. Um, and uh, well said. You know, we have, but you know what? I mean, now we've got QoS as quantity of service gets easier and easier despite the growth. When all of a sudden you can do 32 by 400 gig. I mean, you know, it's uh, it's pretty. I, I turned on my first 100 gig link uh, two months ago, and I'm going to hug the servers in Ashburn and upgrade a bunch of stuff. And I'm actually going to take this Soup 723BXL catalyst offline from the CEO cabinet. Um, and uh, ooh, how old is that? The 7200 is a, it's an old box. No, not the VXR, not the 7206 VXR. That was, oh. uh, that was 95 ish. Yeah. Uh, no, this is a, uh, 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 just a catalyst. Um, Doug's, Doug's product line for a bit. Um, Doug and Jay Shree for a bit back at. Uh, so you're going to give Doug and Jay Shree an upgrade with their new stuff. Uh, yes, we are. I awesome. am rolling in the new stuff. In fact, I have a picture of Doug pointing to a, a 7513 or something at the Unix surplus. You know, it's like you can find, go to the warehouse and find all the things that used to be product manager for. So, um, so VMware bought the uh, virtualization company, bought the virtualization. Uh, how long were you at VMware? Did I didn't you, go. Did you walk in the building? Oh, yeah. Nice. Well, it's a beautiful and, campus. Uh, it was great. Great cafeteria is really terrific. Uh, I had just spent a six year run at Cisco and like trading one, like, I mean, I, I had such a great time at NYSERA in literally a year. Um, you know, I'm a little like um, Benjamin Button or Merlin. I'm going backwards in time where I, mean, I started my career. I mean, actually worked for the U.S. government, the energy department. I have worked for a phone company. I have worked for IBM. I worked at Cisco. And everyone says, Alan, you're such a startup guy. And now you're a VC. And it's like, yeah, if you think working with 300,000 people, you know, I was like, I'm working backwards. It's just me and the dog. You heard him barking a second ago, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, for me, I increasingly 
just prefer to be early in things and work with uh, smaller teams. And which is uh, so I took so after um, I Sarah, I actually wound up joining Illumio uh, when they're ugh, you know. I was looking at my paperwork, like, you know, a certificate number five. Uh, so, and, you know, it was a small team. We were in a tiny little dorm room. And to me, that's always the fun part where a lot so of the project was, starts. Was micro segmentation, but actually it was programming ACLs for network people. <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> ACLs, uh, you know, uh, IP tables, uh, right. birthday packets, tables filters. Tackles. Yeah. Mm-hmm. you know other people's you know uh, it's it's a you know it's it's network security right it's a yeah. it's a networking company i mean it you know i always push andrew a little like to you know could control the flow of traffic just the same way right yeah uh so it could be done and focus. Uh, when, focus is important in startups well you know the same kind of expansive growth that I, we were talking about a little while ago so if you think about it like um one of Illumio's well-known public customers is Salesforce. It's on everything Salesforce does. And if you think about everything Salesforce has, talking to everything Salesforce has, you need a really good uh, degree in graph theory mm-hmm. to actually build a control plane for that, which is what, yeah. what they're really what they're really good at. So I'm always very excited about the ability to, to master massive problems um, through through computing because the infiltration, exfiltration, security risks, like, you know, hey, like Salesforce knows when, you know, mm-hmm. can't think salesperson's about to take an account away from company X, right? right. And maybe one that I even used to work at. And so uh, you don't want anybody knowing that information. So, and given the kind of hypercharged um, or the turbocharged cybersecurity market we're in, it is a yet another clear element. We know this, right? At Kentech, like we're frequently used in support of people's security mission, yeah. in addition to how how stuff works and how it performs. Yeah, especially it's interesting, even more on the cloud, because the telemetry is familiar to security people. Not just that it's NetFlow, but you know, VPC flow logs are uh, firewall logs on. Mm-hmm. On Microsoft and Amazon, not on Google, they have permit deny. And so they look like firewall logs. And so people think about that. In the eBPF world, it's a little bit more foreign, uh, although I think that eBPF is going to be huge in security before uh, before too long. Um, yeah, no, I, look, it makes sense as the Linux operating systems get upgraded around yep. the world. Um, yep. You know, companies like Cilium and folks doing eBPF are going to be really, really important. Oh, by the way, Salim started by Dan Wetland, the mm-hmm. product manager. And, you know, like, so, you know, I think the thing that you find out in networking industry is we're all basically family. We might yeah. fight now and then, but we all basically have been working the, with each other yeah. um, um, for decades. However, what's different is that the architectures that we have to support are dramatically different because mm-hmm. when I could run everything through a box, um, meaning a switch or a router or a firewall um, or pay or a load balancer or pick whatever flavor of device that you have, I can do something about it. But when there are no more boxes and everything is spread mm-hmm. out there, you know, you have to really rethink the architecture of yeah, the it's, network. It, it, it's interesting because I think, I am more, my view is more agnostic. So as opposed to mm-hmm. uh, Cilium, my view is eBPF on everything. That's why we've we've open sourced it, but to run 
not needing a particular CNI as opposed to Aviatrix. Our view is people do want to do their own. And so you need a place to see all of everything that's going on with your infrastructure. And if you don't want to, you know, we don't have a, uh, you know, we don't have a bet on a way to configure. That's uh, someone else's business. So, um, well, I tend to be more predicting a bet is a is a vendor marketing strategy, right? right. This is the only way it's going right. to happen. Yeah, and you know, it turns out the world's not blue or red; it's purple, mm-hmm. right? And you have to design for purple. Yeah, but the good thing is, it's really fascinating to see today that you can build a big enough ecosystem with the with the with the pace of cloud growth. That if you, there are people that want to be that are happy to be in there, um, in in that one ecosystem if you can build a good enough thing, right? And so Lumio, you know, did that, and Isira did that, and you know, it looks like Aviatrix is doing pretty well, you know, in there. Yeah, I will. But... I think, and and Kentek, I think you there's a class of. I mean, honestly, it's what you did at Akamai when there was just the internet edge, right? I mean, there are a class of market leaders that are emerging that people are building their applications and their business around. And the great thing about being a strong early mover is, you know, you get a chance to, you know, create a sustainable franchise. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's, yep. a, there's a lot of stuff running over Kendrick today, right? And a lot of directions we can go. We started making networks go, but you know what we actually do is internet scale data processing, and observability is not just network. Um, so we partner yeah. on that, and there are things that we do directly around that. Um, that's why we're tracking, you know, again eBPF. Whether it's yes, there's still SNMP, and I know you know what that stands. We still remember what mm-hmm. that stands for, and uh, and uh, NetFlow and SFlow and and VPC flow logs and eBPF and really. Up to you don't think your manager, you don't think your listeners know what simple network management protocol. No, but you were telling me about someone who had forgotten. Oh yes, they didn't, they couldn't <laughs> got it. Well, you know, it's um, I don't remember what I ate in the cafeteria in nineteen ninety eight. I was just looking at a Twitter thread again for there was a Twitter thread of best names for the IP over Avian Carrier one. Uh, I think my favorite was Token Wing. Um, Token but, Wing. <laughs> uh, yeah, there were some good ones. Uh, so, span, spanning free. Uh, yeah. So before we had met, I. I you know, I don't, I go to trade shows, as I mentioned, to, we call it vendor torture, like try to figure out what everyone's doing. Uh, mm-hmm. I have to say, I, I think I would give Illumio one of the best awards, or, or or at least for a few years in a row, best award for best demo. Um, uh, oh, well, yes. I mean, I'm very proud of that because of the visualization, right? Yeah. Well, I'm just the script and taking questions and... Um, we, by the way, we rehearsed the heck out of that and... Yeah, uh, that 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 uh, Matt Glenn, who's the head of product there, and I put a lot of time into it. I'm of the school since I am not an engineer that I have to be able to do the demo and explain it, which means anybody in the company can. And to do that, you well, one, you actually have to know what you're talking about and be scripted, and number two, you have to visualize it in a way, uh, also known as eye candy, right? Right. Um, at these events, to because people see the bid, they they see the illumination map and they see the global view of billions of servers and packet flows. Right. And then you can drill down. I always call that, that's the universe well, view. And, and to be fair, the it's galaxy view. Flows. It's, it's aggregates. It's, aggregates. There could have been All traffic. Right. It's it's in the state. You don't actually there was traffic. At, there was traffic at one time. If at not, one you time, get the yes. line. Right. You, gotta, yes. you need traffic to get the line. Right. And 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 people do that. They, they look at it. We did that in Wi-Fi, by the way, too. That's where we came up with that paradigm at Airspace 
which is that the traditional management protocols, um, management systems were like, okay, I've got an access point here. Minus 85 minus DBM, is that good or bad? And right. you know, I didn't know anything. So we said, oh, here's your here's a heat map. And oh, by the way, instead of having to interpret um, signal to noise ratio, we'll just make it green, yellow, and red for you. It's, so you'll uh, know. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting because we started the, the original insight um, that led to Kentic was really that people needed the didn't know what questions they needed to ask in advance and needed to keep all the telemetry and be able to analyze it and make it as fast as mm-hmm. if you were doing roll-ups. But halfway through, you know, about three years ago, we actually saw um, you, if you can't make it approachable on simple, you know, product-led growth is, is the way that, that people think about it in the, in the startup industry now, you vastly limit your adoption. So I think that's really the interesting trick is solve the hard problems, make it look easy. Um, well, I mean, the best example of that in the last year, so we obviously we have a, you know, we have uh, somebody at Kentic uh, who's up for an Academy Award, right? And, and Doug, <laughs> right? So Doug, we, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Doug is basically explaining the internet to the entire world, including the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal and CNN on a weekly basis because he could actually see the macro political implications of of traffic. It's like, oh, no one they must cares be what the exact BGP cycle times are. They don't care, but he could say, hey, they're giving exams in Cuba. They don't want to be cheating, so they shut down the internet for an hour. Right. I mean, or there's, hey, Burma, uh, Burma, uh, yeah, Minamar, I guess it's Burma again, right? Burma is about to have a coup because they just yeah. earned the traffic down. But Think about that, like, you know, enough about ordering toys over the internet, you know, just think about how well, people, governments, and I come down on populations. The side of, I'm definitely for the free market in many ways, but I come down on the side of human right also. Generally, I'd prefer that the private economy run it with the right incentives than the government, you know, all be one government program. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 we saw that with, uh, you know, with COVID too. Um, if you can't, uh, you can't participate. Uh, uh, you know, you really are are on the outside unless you have enough connectivity, unless it works well. And uh, definitely FCC is thinking about that. And the internet researchers we work with are, are thinking about that. Um, uh, so, well, uh, I mean, what's, what's, what's interesting is that the internet is effectively, you know, people always say data is oil, data is water. Um, to me, I, the, you know, it's, it's interesting. I actually think it's water, I think it's oil. But to me, networking is electricity. Right. So if you think about it, like, mm-hmm. what do you need to live? You need food, water, sh- you know, shelter, right? Those are the basic things. Try living without well, electricity, right? Well, I'm yeah, like number five, short circuit. I need input. <laughs> yeah, but right. So, yeah. So, so you say, imagine living without electricity. Really, really hard to do that. Yeah. And increasingly, the internet's starting, you know, has really become that kind of fifth absolute essential ingredient. Mm-hmm of life. I mean, you, I suppose you could live without the internet, but it'd be pretty difficult and, or certainly a lot less convenient. Yeah. Um, and so I, for me, that's why I'm so excited about Kentic. I know we're not here to like do a Kentic rah, rah, but, but you know, it's, is because it, it is touching everything and you were just seeing an explosion. I just looked at a whole bunch of IOT stuff mm-hmm. in the last couple of months and, everything's going to be connected to the network. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
no, it's it, it's definitely um, not slowing down. Um, but that um, gets to, I guess, maybe next chapter, as you said, and you're going backwards, uh, Benjamin Button style. When I met Matt Ako of Data Collective. My partner, by the way, for folks, yes. I, I work at a VC firm called DCVC, where I work with Matt Ako, who is the founder of my firm. Matt, uh, Matt's superpower is explaining a founder's vision to them in the maximalist sense. So connecting with someone- Most by, amount of words? Uh, no, the, the most expansive world dominating maximum universe of their ideas. And usually founders are struggle to help people explain like mm. why this is interesting, especially if it's technology. And, um, you know, like I, I, I said to Matt when we first met, like, should we go through the pitch deck? He's like, no, I understand it. And I'm like, you are so full of shit. And then, you know, you know, in a few words he explained to me and yes, um, uh, you know, definitely things don't always go as you suspect. So I, I guess I was not surprised when he introduced me to you and, and uh, you know, you have some of that skill uh, too, but I, I am, curious you know um at a point in your life where you could do many things what what drew you to uh you know to the the vc side um well than... so, you know this is not very networking oriented or even uh you know to, you know what what drew me well dcvc really was a large part of it um having spent several decades in enterprise technology um and having you know just work with so many amazing people, so many amazing experiences. I was kind of looking for the think different side of things. And what I recognized is that, you know, the technology world is about $4 trillion of the economy worldwide. That's about out of 80 to 100, depending on how you count. So in our world, like I say, it's this huge giant industry. But in the scheme of things, it's, it's kind of small. And most of the world has not had its digital transformation internet moment. Agriculture has had very little of it. Um, healthcare, which is certainly very interesting, is and certainly we've seen this with the mRNA and vaccines, is just beginning to have right. its kind of computing moment, right? You know, I always say that God's a programmer and, you know, the human body is 10 trillion lines of code. Mm -hmm. um, uh, supply chain, food, energy are all industries that have to transform one because one we're going to burn the planet down if we do two we're going to start revolutions because you know the equanimity and distribution of goods and services um, right. has to yeah. like you know you can't add a couple hundred million people to the middle class every year unless they're going to be able to have an iphone right. um, or its equivalent and you know the ability to actually put some fingerprints on the future of um other parts um, of the economy and the other parts of the world and, and do some things that would have some other legacy that would make the world safer, cleaner, and maybe more equitable for my kids um, was a big driver. Uh, DCVC were seed investors in Illumio. They, the original name of DCVC was Data Collective. That's what the DC yep. DCVC is. Um, having made a lot of bets in a lot of big data infrastructure companies, folks like Databricks and Elastic, and, um, uh, and, and so on and so forth. Uh, but in the last five years or plus, they've really shifted into deep tech. Space. So <clears throat> a, yeah. space, yeah, we had, we, yeah, uh, two days ago, we had an IPO and a company putting up a rocket in the same day. Uh, Planet Labs went public on Wednesday and mm -hmm. the same day, 
um, our other company, Rocket Lab, had set up on a, set up a bunch of satellites on Electron, uh, which by the way uses uh, additive manufacturing, three D printing to print its rocket engines. Right, print me a rocket engine. Okay, right, click, <laughs> and uh, I mean, it takes more than a minute, but it prints right. it. And um, so that was important, and I think just for everybody, for their brain, uh, the ability to learn a whole bunch of stuff, particularly a whole bunch of technical stuff. And how other industries work was like, couldn't believe somebody would give me a job to do that. <laughs> so that's, it was, it was highly, highly, you know, appealing to have a different chapter in the, um, in the, um, in the technology industry. Um, as I, you know, using myself, my feet in the, you know, third version of the internet. And now some of these these other these other industries and just amazing companies and people working on really hard problems and um, you know I think we you know it's true it was true in the last fifty years of tech and it'll be true in the next fifty years of tech or new tech the really hard problems make for the most interesting companies and outcomes. Yeah, and, and what is interesting as someone who's led companies is how hard it can be on the inside to uh, explain and how critical to the success of companies it is to, you know, frame and explain, which I was thinking well, about in hindsight, yeah. you know, again, it's a superpower of Matt's and uh, it's something you're pretty good at uh, as well. Um, and um, that is from marketing perspective, right? How do you get deal flow? Um, uh, being able to connect with, with technologist entrepreneurs and, and help them understand uh, play back their vision in a way that can be played to others. Yeah. A, you know, I, I, like, I like to tell people I'm only a VC on Zoom Monday to Friday, nine to five, because I I still see myself as an operating firm. By the way, only VCs would come up the term operator. I mean, we're, we're people who build and run stuff, right? You know, right. I mean, the yeah. operator term is some some kind of tweaky term that somebody well, more came up with. Sounds more PE, yeah, or, yeah, operator, and you know, you know, I mean, I my initial job at BCBC was an operating partner, and um, and you know, people don't operate businesses; they run businesses, they build products, they take care of customers, and so for me, it's also I I I have I'm extremely fortunate. I get just to work on great stuff of pretty much my own choosing. Mm -hmm. And I get to spend as much time as I want to, as long as it's useful to entrepreneurs like yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and as opposed to running around and I don't have to chase deals and right. things like that. But there are, you do have to do that, right? To be successful right. in our industry. Yeah. You need, you need deal flow. Well, you have to them. chase or market and make aware. There's different strategies for that network in some way, um, you know, ultimately. Uh, and then, and there's also been a big change that increasingly people are looking for investors who don't just have, but interesting is capital is not as scarce as it was right. 10 years ago. They were looking for some, you know, folks with, you know, relevant experience or at least a mindset uh, and, and not like some code founder friendly, but right. saying like, well, what can you do for me other than give me money and critique my PowerPoint? Right. Yeah. <laughs> In 2014, when I started Kentec, it was sufficient that I that I viewed that you would not add stress in stressful times, that you would be um, supportive but not prescriptive, right? And and we've had that certainly um, uh, we've chosen well. So generally the answer is well uh, we can give you advice, but uh, we're not running the company. 
No, best we, best we could be is a really good sounding board to help shape your view. By the way, that's a great networking term. Um, Joe Pinto, who was the guy who ran customer support for the long run, I mean, 25 years of I mean, he was in the first couple hundred and 200 employees of the company, always said the cardinal rule of networking is when you add something to the network, do no harm. Uh, yeah, that is the cardinal rule. I don't know that that is... Um, Followed? <laughs> I mean, I have given a lot of shit privately to people pointing out that if what you ask vendors for is a new protocol every month, you will not get stability. If what you ask vendors for is stability, you might get stability. Um, and, um, you know, you have to be careful about the pace of innovation on the core of the network. And I think that the world has come a long way from the 90s when people viewed it as Cisco gave me an iOS image with my initials in it. How cool am I to, <laughs> oh, my God, that would be the worst thing ever if you had a vendor you know, that needed to do that. And look, Arista led the way to single train. Um, mm -hmm. And I think Juniper is there too now and uh, Cisco is not, uh, but, you know, and, and Arista is still ahead on regression testing and, and things that frankly, many SaaS companies, you know, could do. So I'm thrilled, you know, about that. So, so normally at this point, I ask people about how to get into networking, but you are uh, only an honorary, uh, you're an honorary um, and spiritual networker, but you are now off on the, on the, on the dark side, on the VC side. So, any interesting ways if people are interested in in, in having this intellectual eclecticism? Um, uh, well, look, I mean, for... I, I think there's multiple ways to do it. In fact, there's more ways to get into networking now than there ever has mm -hmm. been. You no, know, all kidding aside, right? I mean, yes, you can join a networking company. Mm -hmm. You can provide. You can join somebody who joins networks, or you can be a developer. Yeah. Right, and write your own in, layers. Yeah. And you write and you know you're you could be you could be building an application and inevitably you're going to have to learn how the network works right this um i used to have this triangle if you can if, if folks on maybe it's not easy to visualize at the top of it i i called it the cybersecurity triangle or the networking triangle depending on who i was pitching at the day and <laughs> at the top um it was no like you can't do that you can't touch my network mm -hmm. And then when you go in from the networking people to the um, application people, it was like slow, like don't break what I'm doing. Right. And, but then when you got to the, um, you know, to the absolute person writing the application itself, it's like, go, like, let's get our stuff out there. Right. And so you're always somewhere on that triangle of slow, no, and go um, right. to, to do that. And so, you know, we were just talking, you know, a little bit earlier about Cilium or you talk about cloud stacks or, building something in Amazon or Azure, uh, you know, you you have to attach network or make sure things work in the network and the speed of which applications get pushed and revved means you have to be much more cognizant. So I think there's just a lot more ways to get into it. And, you know, five years ago, I think a lot of people thought networking was just some commodity. It was like electricity, like Right. If, if the electrons flow to the socket, they flow to the socket. That's all I care about. And I think, you know, maybe it was wrong. It's, I think it's extremely relevant again and um, actually kind of exciting. It has some really good energy. Yeah, it's, it's very interesting to see. There's also some challenges because there are still some concepts of networking, which you do need to understand to debug because there are enough bugs that you get into the physics homework of like, 
what are the first principles? I think this is a vendor bug. Um, but for networkers, it's not sufficient to understand, you know, distance vector uh, algorithms and you need to know up to service mesh and understand into applications. So I think it's fun, but can be hard for people to get into. And um, um, sort of, as you were saying, I think that is a great way for people to get in is to actually just sit down and, and write things that live on the biggest decentralized uh, infrastructure that we have, which is not Bitcoin, but is the internet. Um, <laughs> it's so, not the blockchain? Uh, blockchains are good and 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 semi-decentralized, although we'll see what way different things go in different Well, ways. I mean, the, the, you know, maybe maybe should bring in um, some some of the, um, the Web 3.0 infrastructure people, right? Because you're going to kind of want to know if your employees are actually using their machines to we'll do have, their job. I think we'll get or there their, or, or they're mining. Point. I think there's still a lot of those uh still a lot of the i'm going to build a computer on the internet things that are built by people there's no applications i mean fundamentally yeah. but now that's not to say i'm negative on it i'm just saying you know multi-billion dollar companies where there's actually no traffic or no nothing being stored or nothing being computed uh versus billion dollar cdns which actually deliver life um there's i'll just say there's a way to go um i'm bullish on um what will be done there um, but yeah, that'll be a, a, a different topic and we can get your, your update from the field of, of looking out there. So yeah, uh, last awesome. question. Uh, I'm sure that early Alan was, um, uh, um, had opinions and was stubborn, but if you could go back, you know, Bill and Ted style, uh, you know, and play George Carlin and, and give some advice to, uh, early Alan, any, any, any things you would, uh, any experiences you would have shortcutted or any, any, any. Oh, well. That's you know, bought Yahoo, bought Yahoo at the IPO. Hold on, right. <laughs> Google. Uh, no, I mean, like you know, Doge, I think Doge bought Doge. You know, <laughs> uh, accepted a whole bunch of roles. I think there's kind of two things that um, I always think about, and um, I'm I'm in a very much. And this is not like hyper relevant discoveries. I'm in a huge Shakespeare kick right now. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about it. Um, because it's an incredible treatise on human nature. Mm -hmm. um, and I, maybe I get to a more reflective period. And it's not of, boring. It's never boring. Characters are so much better than what's on Netflix. Right. And, uh, and you know, there was, you know, there was a tragedy of Macbeth with, not Macbeth, of um, Othello, right? And, and Othello was a, a soldier in a, you know, one of the city-states and, in uh, Italy, and he was extremely jealous of his beautiful spouse, younger spouse, and he, he winds up getting killed at the end. I mean, mm -hmm. there's always blood on the floor at the end of a Shakespeare tragedy. And his final lines is that, I wish I had not, I wish I had loved wisely and not too well. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for a lot of, you know, a lot of people who are building careers in tech, what you really, and I think you said this a little bit, is there an application for it? My first startup was a colossal fireball. It was a company called Tahoe Networks. Uh, the product was absolutely insanely good. It would load balance 2,000 sessions on a single router. It was built for the internet edge to allow um, traffic to come onto the network for mobile internet. And you know we got one thing wrong. We got the call setup rate wrong. So we're, okay. it turned out in Japan and Korea where the first mobile Docomo and the first mobile internet really showed up. At 10 o'clock at night, the rates came down. So everybody, all the kids would like in their bed, have their phones and they'd get online, right? Mm -hmm. Because it was too expensive during the day. 
And well, we had a problem that we didn't set up fast enough. Um, and technically, but the real issue is that there was no mobile internet. There was no iPhone. So we were all, all dressed up and no place to go. Um, and it all, ultimately the company got sold to Nokia, but it did not lead to, and I mean, I didn't mean there was anything wrong with the people colossal fireball, but we were so ready at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. And the hardest thing to work through is to kind of get your timing. And I always like, you always have to ask yourself the question, if we didn't exist, what would happen? And if there's a good answer, you're working on the wrong thing. Well, I think that, I think that if I look back and this became clear, even in the nineties with the internet bubble, having a great idea and executing it well still requires luck. Like most good outcomes still require luck, but you can absolutely, um, you can absolutely put yourself in a position to take maximum advantage of it. And you can definitely see, you know, great returns. And the other thing is, as is true with all business, right? Sometimes, uh, you know, statistically, uh, if you pick good ideas and good people and and execute well, you will do well. But you know, you can. But yeah, the time right. I mean, if I draw a conclusion from one thing because there's macro, and sometimes you know, you're allowed to get lucky. It's allowed to get. It happens to get unlucky. So uh, I mean, the entire front end of my career were things that didn't happen. I went to a phone company, and as it got out of cellular, mm-hmm. people did great on cellular. We got out. We put our money into interactive TV. That wasn't so good. Um, I went to IBM. I built an e-commerce business. It was right, but I should have been at Netscape, um, not at IBM, because it was not material enough what we were building for a company of that size. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, they built a lot. I actually, I, my team built something called Net.Commerce, which is a well-known e-commerce. I really got my service never worked, but that my, my application lived for a really long time. And, you know, then I came to Cisco for the service provider binge in the 90s and all the over-the-top service providers for the most part and all that fiber that flew around the world just splashed out. And then my first startup was a company building the mobile era, which was really smart, just two, three years before Steve Jobs (laughs) made that really useful for Americans. And so, you know, I wouldn't trade the, I can't trade the experiences unless time machines are really, back to the future really works. Um, but what I missed was what was the market demand and the matching of the technology or the solution right. And it's something that you mentioned, um, when VCs asked me to talk to a company or when I talked to Kentic about some of our coming forays on, on more general data plane, mm-hmm. um, I say, look, when we started the company, uh, 90% of the 100 meetings were like, ask two questions. How much does it cost was usually actually first. And then mm-hmm. and when will you have it? Um, and we've had some things that we've looked at where people didn't ask those questions and uh, we didn't have as much pull, uh, or at least at the time, you know, maybe we were a little early. And then, um, you know, those those are really good questions for someone to be asked. Yeah, man. And if, and, and, and if it's, and that sounds interesting, I might play with it. That's not, they're being polite. That's not, that's not well, no, like, I mean, large. And then that's job. the lesson. Large companies will always play with your technology. They have large teams to do it. And, you know, you inevitably say, oh, well, look, 
XYZ companies using it. Everybody wants it. It's like yeah. they have a huge team and a lot of them have a lot of spare time on their hand and they're paid to look at at new stuff. But you yeah. know, look, you know, it's hard to get the timing right, you know, and the model right. Like Webvan burned a billion dollars, but it would have been pretty good to be into Instacart seems or DoorDash, right? Small right now to only yeah. what, what, what they only burned a billion dollars. I mean, what what's wrong with them? Yeah, no, that's that's true too. I, you never can tell at the VC like your heart palpitates. I totally lost a billion dollars. You know, well, we, you know we, that's we, not my you know that's not my style. So uh, yeah, and we we answer to a higher authority. They're called limited partners. Uh, I know, but it's funny because people are like you know people in the family are like, oh, so you're profitable yet? Almost like, oh my god, I'd get fired. Like, no, t- don't say that. Like, not in the next two years. Oh yeah, no. no, no. I see I see business plans all the time. We're going to be profitable in eighteen months. I got what? Did you run out of market that fast? <laughs> yeah. I, want, I mean you know it's it, we'll it, do another it, show and break that down for people because it is it is a little counterintuitive but um, yeah well i mean you know that's that's basically you're investing in growth right i mean yeah. amazon built the largest one of the largest companies in the world by having an investor base that wanted growth over profitability right dominance dominance yes. it did so, really really work yeah at akamai again another show but akamai actually had to stop saying dominate crush compete you know whatever we were we were trained in that in some of my large company experiences uh yeah you're not there there was this little group of watching called the antitrust division and you really yeah. don't want to invite them in cool well alan thank you uh i can see we have some future future shows we can do and maybe we'll have the crypto review uh you know in a bit Awesome. Um, it's been great um, uh, working with you, and thank you for sharing your wisdom and uh, being on Network Ad. Thank you. Great to be here. <laughs>